0: Welcome to Queers and Co, the podcast on self-empowerment, body liberation, and activism for queer folks and allies. I'm your host, Jem Kennedy. My pronouns are they/them, and I'm a transformational practitioner and coach living in the UK. Hi everyone, welcome to episode two. I hope you've all had a good week despite lockdown. I'm currently snuggled in my dressing gown because it's absolutely freezing here, and I don't want to go outside and get wood so I can light a fire. Um, so I thought I'd record the intro instead. And Something keeping me nice and warm at the moment are, (laughs) this sounds like such a segue, are the feelings that I got from having this interview with my guest today. I'm sure that you're going to get a lot out of our conversation. I know I definitely did. And um, yeah, without further ado, I'll introduce her to you. So her name is Jade Eloise and also known as Body Posi Poet. She is a spiritual healer, body positivity advocate, poet and artist Her activism and creative outlets and spiritual work all centre around advocating for social justice, equality and equity for marginalised bodies on a systemic level, while also promoting self-healing and self-acceptance on a personal one. I hope you enjoy the episode and I'd love to hear your thoughts afterwards, so do head over to the Facebook group to join in the conversation. So now over to the wonderful Jade Eloise. Hi Jade, how are you? I'm really good, thank you. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Thanks so much for joining me. I'm really excited to talk to you. Oh, thank you for having me. Not at all. So um, it would be great if you're happy to, just to introduce yourself for anyone who hasn't come across your work before.
1: Yeah, sure. So my name is Jada Louise, um, but I go by Body Pussy Poet Online. I am a spiritual healer and life coach. Um, I'm an artist and I am a body positivity and self-love advocate and activist. Um, So most of my work online focuses around Um, learning to love your body, but also advocating for all bodies and equality for all bodies.
0: Thank you. And um, there's so much to unpack there. I know we talked before about um, kind of digging into all the different aspects of your work. So um, maybe if you're happy to, let's start off with how you kind of got into body positivity, because I know that's a a huge part of what you do.
1: Yeah. um, So I think like most people, I struggled with body image growing up um my weight and the way I looked was always made quite a big deal um so I didn't really have a great relationship with myself and my body um and then when I was in my teens I kind of came across self-love movements online um and I slowly started to learn to love myself more um and just advocate for my right to exist in my body without fear or anxiety or pressure um and when I was in those self-love communities, I slowly came across body positivity. Um, and I realised that I resonated with body positivity just as much, if not more, than self-love because not only was it saying I deserve to love myself, but it was also saying, actually, I deserve to live in the world without fear. And I deserve to be able to have the same experiences as everyone else um, equally and equitably. So I think body positivity... Was sort of a saviour for me in a lot of senses, in just being at home in myself.
0: Yeah, and how did that change your relationship with your body? Oh, it massively—not just
1: my body, but it changed who I was as a person because I wasn't afraid anymore to just exist. Um, I think so many of us are fearful of of rejection and of humiliation and of people not accepting who we are. Um, And I was so afraid of that for so much of my life. Um, But with body positivity, I reached a point where I thought not only now do I have the power to stand within my convictions and be a representative of who I am and my body, but also I have the power to uplift other people um, and to explain to them why all bodies matter.
0: Yeah, I love that. And did your work come um, before that or during it or afterwards? Um,
1: I think... For the most part, online, I was just trying to find a way to express myself. I'd always been quite, well not always, I think the more that I learnt to hide away because of my body, the more I became introverted. So for me, being online um, and advocating for my body was mostly just a celebration and exploration of myself. Um, and I wasn't really trying to advocate for anyone other than myself when I started out. I just wanted a space where I could explore my relationship with my body um, and to see other people doing the same. And then the more that time went on, the more I realised that actually this was bigger than just me. It's about how we treat bodies in our society. And I wanted to be a part of making changes towards that. So it slowly went from me being just about me and about my body to being about all bodies and caring about how all bodies are treated.
0: Yeah, and your work kind of, um, I don't want to say tackles, that doesn't sound like the right word. Your work kind of covers that from lots of different angles. So in terms of like uh, creativity and spirituality um, and that healing element and community, obviously, as well. Um, But before we dig into all the other things, I wondered about your uh, hashtag that you use, Reclaiming Bopo. And if you could just tell us a bit more about how that came about. Yeah, um,
1: so reclaiming Boho, I think, mostly came from frustration. If I'm honest, it was more I was just seeing body positive spaces online being co opted and claimed by bodies that weren't at the forefront of pushing the body positive movement. Body positivity, um, in historically, was centered in Black women black fat women, um, and people in the most marginalized bodies. Um, and yet if you scroll through body positive hashtags online, what you'll mostly see is white cisgender women, um, who are straight sized and often they're promoting diet culture, which obviously body positivity is not the complete opposite of, but it does uh, try to tackle, um, and I just found it so frustrating because when I started in self-love and body positivity communities, there was that diversity, that was that representation of everybody. Um, and these body positive body positivity spaces had just lost their meaning. Um, and I was just looking through all of these hashtags and I just thought, you know, what can we do about this? Have we lost body positivity forever? Or is there some way that we can reclaim it? Um and so It was almost born overnight, just out of frustration. I set up the um, hashtag and I wrote a post about I wanted to start advocating for Reclaiming Bopo. And I set up a Facebook page and I just thought, I'm going to try and make a safe space for marginalized bodies where they can advocate for themselves again and where they can center themselves in the movement that was always meant to center them.
0: Yeah. And what has that been like, kind of... um reclaiming that and seeing how people may have um, started using the hashtag in in ways that maybe you didn't imagine or um, in ways that you did imagine or hoped for?
1: Yeah I I wasn't really sure what the response would be to it to be honest Um, and the profile on Instagram on Facebook is still quite small um, in terms of kind of comparative body positivity pages and things like that but the community there is very strong in its conviction that body positivity should be reclaimed. Um, And I love when I see people use the hashtag and I love when people tag the Reclaiming Bopo page in their posts, because it just shows me that there are people who still care about what body positivity represents um, and who to whom body positivity is still really meaningful and really matters to them um, and their journeys of learning to love their bodies. so it's just been amazing. I mean, I'm still working on how I can keep pushing the movement and how I can make it something bigger and hopefully find more people who are feeling a little bit lost with body positivity and aren't really sure where to go um, and make it an inclusive space where we can reach as many people as possible.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I know when I first kind of got into body positivity, it was it felt much more inclusive than it has done in recent times but also I don't know what your experience has been but as a queer person and also a non-binary person it's been quite um it was interesting to see actually the lack of representation in sort of mainstream body positive um movements around other bodies obviously bodies of color bodies of varying abilities and I think that's part of the reason why I started Queers & Co to actually find out about queer people's relationships with their bodies because I think there's such a lack of that information out there and what's it been like for you existing as a queer person in the body positive movement?
1: I think one of the reasons why my relationship with my body has always been a little bit complicated was because I sat at a lot of different intersections and body positivity is meant to be intersectional it should take into consideration the different life experiences that people have depending on what intersections they sit on. So it's not just about fatness. And I think a lot of people make that mistake of thinking if they live in a body that is seen as fat by our society, that that's all that should matter in terms of entering a body positivity space. But different sizes of people are reacted to differently by our society, but also different categories of people. So for me, you know, I'm a fat black woman. Um, But not only that, I'm also disabled and I'm also queer. And those different experiences have, they sort of made me sort of shrink in on myself because I thought, can I really be all these things and still be accepted by society? So for a long time, it took me a lot of soul searching to realise that actually, yes, I am queer. Because I was afraid to be. I didn't know what it meant. Could I really be fat and black and have these problems with my body and my health and my mental health and then somehow still tell people, oh, but also I'm queer. I just didn't know how I would be accepted, not only in general society, but also in queer spaces. Was I too other? Was I too different? Um, And I think actually body positivity helped me in learning that no, all bodies deserve to accept themselves wholly for all the things that they are. Um, But equally, as body positivity became more co-opted, I realised that actually I don't fit into this space as it's being represented anymore.
0: Mm, Yeah, and what is your relationship with community like obviously it's quite difficult right now with lockdown and everything but I guess you mentioned sort of first finding community around self-love and body positivity online and what's your kind of day-to-day community like around those um those things as well I found it really interesting actually
1: as my perspectives shifted um just in general life but also on the content that I was putting online so too did my communities and I think that's a really that beautiful thing um, about social media is that you find the people that you best align with. Um, so there's so many people online who I'm so blessed to have met, um, both online and then shortly, obviously it's difficult at the moment, but shortly afterwards in real life. And just knowing that there are people who, if I'm having a bad day or if I want to express myself around a certain topic, who see me and support me and kind of want to be with me in these experiences and just share in what I'm sharing it means a lot because I've not always fit in in sort of real life situations I guess you could put it I've always felt quite different to my peers so knowing that there's such a wide range of people online who I might not have had the privilege to meet um, in real life if it weren't for social media and online spaces is really just a blessing because it saved me from feeling isolated and lonely um, mm. and there's so many different communities that I've been a part of like when I first started on social media I actually started within the pin-up communities because it was the only place that I saw plus size women being represented um, and that's what took me to the self-love communities and then to the BOPO communities but then also being an artist and a spiritual healer, I have those communities um, as well that I can turn to for different reasons. So I think community is just such an important thing for feeling supported and not feeling isolated and just knowing that you have your people there for you and to support you.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so you mentioned there being a healer and a coach. And yeah, it's, it's an intersection that I'm really, really fascinated and super interested in like spirituality and activism and also creativity so um hmm, what do I want to ask first (laughs) I guess (laughs) I guess it will be really interesting to hear like how yeah first of all let's start with spirituality and um I know that you talk about being intuitive or psychic on your account sometimes and what what does that mean to you and how might it have supported you over time
1: Yeah I mean it's something that I've only just started sort of publicly embracing because again it was just something that I thought oh does this also make me other but I've always been intuitive Um, I've always been an empath I've always felt a lot of what other people were feeling and I think in a lot of ways um, it linked into my mental health issues because if I was around people that were feeling kind of a deep sadness I would feel it too so I knew I've always known that sort of that intuitive side of me was there, um, but I didn't really have a name for it. And for a long time, I sort of rejected any sort of religion or spirituality because it just didn't fit in with my worldview. Um, but it sort of discovered me, I suppose. Um, I sort of became a part of spiritual communities. People reached out to me and wanted to help me be in line with my gifts. and. And I always knew that I wanted to help people. I studied psychology um, at university, and I knew that I wanted to go into some sort of counselling or guidance for people because of the life experiences that I'd had and the mental health difficulties that I'd been through. It just so happens that psychology wasn't the only way to go about it. I realised it was also through spiritual health and just sort of being in tune more with our holistic well-being and our overall well-being. Um, and it's funny because a lot of people are sort of confused by this side of me um, because it doesn't seem to align with activism and it doesn't seem to align with body positivity. But to me, all parts of ourselves are connected. Um, so you don't just have to be one thing or another. You can be everything that you are
0: totally and thinking about drawing on spirituality as a way to, to be an activist i think there's there's so much power there and um for example i know you talk about spiritual bypassing and how you know just saying love and light for example if someone is a spiritual person does not <laughs> take into the um, or take into account the experiences of marginalized communities it's very easy for some parts of the spiritual world to just like brush over any kinds of oppression and i wonder if you had any sort of pushback or like any any difficulties with those ideas like from more spiritual communities
1: yeah (laughs) definitely um oh it's really difficult I understand I do understand being a spiritual person I understand this need to want everything to be fluffy and lovely and light and I get it but it's not real life I think a lot of spiritual people are so focused on what they would call the bigger picture. They're so focused on, oh, you know, we're just here for, to learn lessons and um, looking at sort of spiritual meanings, but not looking at the real life moments and the real life experiences that people are having. And in my belief, we are all here for a human experience, which means that we need to look at how those human experiences differ and how different people are experiencing the world that we're in. And I've lost, unfortunately, a lot of friends and spiritual mentors, even through them just wanting to overlook the different human experiences that we all have. Race and racial equality just wasn't as important to them as it should have been because they were so focused on the idea that we are all one. But mm. If we're all one, then we should all care about how we're all being treated. Um, And if one of us is being treated with inequality, then all of us are affected by that. And all of us should care about making those changes to ensure that that stops happening. And I was really saddened last year over the summer with all the Black Lives Matter protests going on to see friends or people I had considered as friends dismissing their concerns and dismissing the fact that black people were being disproportionately killed and mistreated and they they just they were unwilling to see it and so I had to let those people go from my life because I just knew that we were never going to see eye to eye and I could argue until I was blue in the face but in truth I don't see the point in wasting time with people who aren't willing to change their mindset For me, I think spirituality is also openness um, and the willingness to be a part of different people's experiences and listen and learn. And if those people weren't willing to do that, then unfortunately I had to let them go. So I've definitely experienced some pushback. But, you know, we're all on our different journeys and I will keep promoting my message and hoping that at some point, people within these spiritual communities um, will be willing to catch up.
0: Yeah, that sounds really painful to not only be going through the summer with BLM and, you know, everything that was happening, but also then in your communities to find that people were not supportive of that. Yeah.
1: And also just, um, I think partly because of my age, because I'm quite young and a lot of my spiritual mentors were older than me. They sort of, they had this idea that because I was younger, I didn't have an evolved enough view of the world, I Mm. think. Um, But they had never, being mostly white, a lot of them had never had the life experiences that I had had in terms of race. And they weren't willing to empathise with people who had those experiences. Um, And, you know, uh, to me, you can't call yourself a spiritual person if you think that age is all that matters because all of our life experiences are so different. And the only way that we can evolve is by looking at everybody's life experiences and not just sort of our own worldview. And spiritual bypassing is really a problem within spiritual communities because people are just so happy to overlook any ideas or values that don't align with their worldview. It's all quite egotistical and it's quite ironic because a lot of spiritual communities claim to remove ego from themselves and from Mm -hmm. their lives and from their spiritual practices. But in truth, when they're tested and when they're given a perfect example of how they can get involved in the wider community and take a stand against injustice and inequality, because it doesn't serve them, because it doesn't serve their ego or their worldview, they choose to ignore it and they use spiritual terms and they use spiritual practices as a way to get around having to do it, as to excuse themselves from the larger problem. And that's just not good enough. It's not good enough. And to me, it's not spiritual. Um, but obviously, we've all got different ideas as to what spirituality is.
0: Yeah, it can be so frustrating though, because I've had conversations with people like that. You, you literally cannot... It's not about winning. This doesn't sound right, but you you can't kind of convince someone of a differing view when the ultimate thing is like, yeah, but the universe says this. Or do you know what I mean? Like, where can you go (laughs) with that? There's not really, you know, for example, if you're talking about like we should all fight for marginalized communities' rights, oh yeah, but like the universe says that. And then, okay, well, I can't say anything then if that's what the universe says to you. I'm I'm just stuck.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it does. It really feels like that. Um, And I've tried to argue with people and to go about things and have really philosophical conversations and sort of get on their level. And the thing is, if people want to argue their way out of something, they will find a way. Because in Mm -hmm. truth, it's not about their spiritual beliefs it's actually about their human experience and the fact that they hold a lot of privilege and they don't want to release that privilege Mm
0: -hmm. um
1: and all they're doing is using spirituality as a mask and if people want to hide if people don't want to confront their privileges and privileges if they don't want to look beyond themselves you can't force them to you just can't and I think there's no point wasting your energy which could be better served in other ways on those people. And I think, you know, conserving your energy as an activist um, and as someone who just wants to fight for equality is really important because there's always another issue. There's always something else that needs to be addressed. Um, So if you're spending your energy addressing it with the wrong people, you won't have the energy for the conversations that really matter, for the conversations that will make a difference. And that was a really harsh learning curve for me over summer because I was spending my energy teaching people who either just wanted to use me um, and my experiences to sort of back them and their points or who just didn't really care about what I had to say. Um, And so in the end, I sort of just stopped having those conversations when I knew nothing was going to come of it, I sort of resisted the urge to want to create change where change cannot come about until those people will make the changes for themselves.
0: Yeah, there's something about like potentially having planted a few seeds in those conversations, but actually then allowing yourself to step away so that you can conserve your energy, as you say, and um, move on to things that are going to maybe serve your your purpose better.
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I think we all want, we all want to create change, but... Um, sometimes we just have to create change in the spaces that are willing to accept it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and thinking about spirituality and activism, I wonder how, whether, I guess, first of all, like, was activism something that was kind of on your radar before you were in touch with your spirituality? And how how have you used the one for the other? Or how do they kind of um, work together?
1: Yeah, I mean, I never really considered myself an activist. I always used the word advocate. Um, And it's only sort of in recent months that I've sort of, I still don't use it that much for myself, but I align with that more because I think, you know, if you're trying to create change in whatever capacity, then, you know, you are an activist. But for me, I think spirituality, it helped me to feel more um, empowered and emboldened and To feel like I had the power to create change. I think because I was disconnected with myself um, and because I kept trying to compartmentalise myself into all these different roles without seeing that all of these things were a part of me, it made me quite disempowered and it made me feel like I wasn't strong enough to create any sort of change. Um, So spirituality definitely helped me in the sense of knowing my worth and knowing my power as an individual, um, but also the power that can come from community when you find people that you're aligned with, because it amplifies your voice and it amplifies your message. So spirituality, you know, in terms of just empowering you towards activism really means a lot. But also using spiritual healing and spiritual life coaching techniques for activism, I think is possible. And obviously it depends on your belief systems and it depends on what works for you. But for me, a lot of my healing within myself has come from spiritual healing methods, such as theta healing and Reiki and just um, power of intention and just feeling like I had the power over my own life and could make changes in my own life, which would then create a domino effect into making wider changes outside of myself. Um, And for me also, the more people that I can help along their own healing journey, the less there is for this need for people to compare themselves to one another, to feel like they need to serve some sort of societal hierarchy in order to put their needs before others. I think the more that we heal within ourselves, the more that we're willing to let go of our ego, to let go of our privileges and want equality, um So I think in that respect, spiritual healing is really powerful because it releases people from this need to be sort of self-centered because instead they're centering self-love and love for others. And I think to some people it sounds a little bit, I know sort of the common term is snowflakey or, <laughs> or sort <laughs> of soft, but why does everything need to be hard? Why does everything need to be a battle? Why can't change come from a place of softness? Why can't power and softness align with one another and and work together? So I know there's people who will say, you know, it's not enough, and of course, on its own, it's not. But spirituality and activism certainly can work together for making the changes within yourself and making broader changes with the people around you.
0: Yeah, I have so many goosebumps right now. Like, yeah, I, <laughs> <laughs> this is totally my stuff. It's so yeah. I, I feel like I'm. Um, i just have so many thoughts so one thing that pops up for me is for example nova reed talks about how the importance of like having conversations with people and for me that that real softness in her work and like how she communicates being an activist and talking about anti-racism is like completely opposite to what we think about maybe around being an activist, that someone's like standing in the street and shouting about um saving the climate or whatever it might be. But that softness, I think there's real power and and strength in being able to kind of be more vulnerable and to be able to start those conversations from a place of yeah, like tenderness rather than maybe shouting at someone to get your point across that never really or, you know, it doesn't often work the same as if we're able to kind of align ourselves with people and use those more softer skills.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, one of the reasons why I um, I never really sort of saw myself as an activist was because I just didn't feel I had the capacity for being out there on the streets as much as I wanted to. I wanted to get my message across um, because of health difficulties and just from anxiety and things like that, I didn't feel I had the capacity to be out and about on the streets and protesting as much as I wanted to. Um, but then I realised that actually different voices have different purposes. And for me, while I might not be able to advocate in one way, I certainly can in another. And I think, you know, a lot of inequality comes from disconnect. And the ability and the inability to see things from one another's perspectives, um, and focusing on holding tightly onto our own power because, you know, we're afraid of what it would mean if we were to give some of that up um, to support equality. Um, so I think having real one-to-one human conversations, actually asking people, what is the fear behind your unwillingness? to um, support equality what is the fear behind your unwillingness to release your power Um, and once you get down and you dig deeper into those fears and those sort of limiting beliefs that people have a lot of healing work can take place and people suddenly are much more open to change they're much more open to working with other people they're much more open to being seen for who they are rather than for what the privilege of their body would give them so I think you know there's so many different types of activism, and spiritual activism is one type, and you know it shouldn't be overlooked for its power because I think having one-to-one conversations with people and working on their self-healing, you know, if we all healed ourselves, there wouldn't be these tensions that we have because we totally. wouldn't be looking to um, harm others for the sake of feeling better about ourselves. So yeah, spirituality is activism within itself when it's done in the correct way of looking at our world and how we can make changes.
0: I guess um, you mentioned a couple of the different techniques that you yourself have used and you would use with your clients but it'll be great to hear a little bit more about those and how you feel and um, maybe how you feel they've helped you.
1: Yeah so um, when I started out in spiritual healing I was invited to do my first training in angelic reiki, angelic reiki one and two and my mum had done it previous to me, and I, at the time, was not at all spiritual. I'd always been agnostic because I knew that I couldn't say definitively whether there was a higher power or not. I didn't feel like it was my place to decide, but I'd never conformed to any sort of specific belief system. Um, and you know, my mum was going on this spiritual path, and she was telling me all about angelic reiki and working with angels. And I just thought, what is this woman on about? Like, the <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> but I'd reached a point in my life where I was starting to try and make changes. Um, I'd taken a gap year of uni, and because my mental health was so low and I just knew I had to make some changes to my life. So when I got invited, I just felt like the timing was right. So I went and my first healing as part of the training um I felt this overwhelming sense of connection and love and support. And I felt held in a way that I'd never felt held before. I felt seen and I felt acknowledged. Um, and I just cried. I And I'd been so emotionally repressed and cut off from myself that it was overwhelming to cry in front of a group of women I'd never met before in my life. <laughs> I was just sobbing. Um, and they held space for me and they held me... And they acknowledged my pain and they acknowledged how hard it had been for me to love myself. Um, And they helped me make that transition into loving myself. And that was the moment that I realised that the way to help other people wasn't just through psychological therapies. It was also through spiritual therapies and finding that connection for themselves. So I went on to train um, to become a Reiki master um, and then I went on to theta healing, uh, crystal healing, lots of different techniques and I hope to continue on to learning more. For me, uh, Reiki healing is really beautiful and soft and it's perfect for people who are struggling with things like self-love and theta healing is the process of digging down into our belief systems, the things that are holding us back and working out where they um, come from what their origins are what was the first time we felt like this what are our trigger points you know digging out the negative belief systems to replace them with things that will actually serve us in the highest and best and will bring positivity into our lives and will allow us to embody all the things that we want to be so um i think i needed the reiki first i needed to know what it felt like to heal and to be loved but now think to healing is sort of The thing that i love the most because it almost ties in spirituality with um psychological healing techniques and it just allows people to realize you know when i'm feeling anxious and afraid and worried what is the cause of this when was the first time i felt like this where is this belief coming from that um you know if i'm anxious because i feel like people are judging me for my body when was the first time i felt judged for my body um what are the hidden beliefs behind that Um, maybe it's because I feel like I'll be rejected. And if I'm rejected, I'll be lonely. And if I'm alone, you know, what else do I have? So digging back down, I think, is one of the best techniques that we have um, for healing and for growth and for making sure that we can move past the things that have held us back for so long.
0: Totally. And I think that's where, and it sounds as though your experience is similar, where sort of traditional talking therapies can often not quite be enough in that, you know, we're just going to talk about this this issue and there's only there's only so much trauma or so um so far you can process when we're just kind of having a cognitive discussion about something. And it sounds like theta healing is really similar to I don't know if you're familiar with matrix imprinting, but that's a technique that Um, that I use which is all about going back to those earliest experiences of that thing and then working to resource your younger self around what you may have needed and there's something so powerful I think in seeing that that is not a a feeling or a belief you have about yourself in isolation, that it does actually come from somewhere. Because quite often we can think, you know, what's wrong with me? Why do I have this particular issue? And Why can't I just get over it? I've talked about it in therapy, like, why doesn't it just go away? But actually really digging down, as you say, and getting to the root of where that comes from is a really powerful and meaningful experience.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and, I was so excited when I saw that you do EFT and matrix re-imprinting because they are very similar. And actually, um, a couple of my teachers from doing Theta Healing were EFT and matrix re-imprinting practitioners. So I had the privilege of seeing how they sort of merged the two. um, And I got to work with them and see how, you know, that worked in my own healing um, Mm -hmm. as they worked through different issues with me. Um, And that was when I realised, oh, wow, this is actually a really powerful technique um, and one that I hope to go on to be able to train in at some point, because it's just so beautiful to be able to release people from the belief that, you know, they're causing these negative self-perceptions to themselves because they're not, because we're not born hating ourselves. We're not born you know, feeling the worst about ourselves. Those are things that we're taught and it might not necessarily even be things that are said to us directly. They can just be things that we've witnessed or acknowledged in our lives and taken on as our own. Um, So to be able to release yourself from these beliefs that aren't serving us, I think is really powerful. And as you say, talking therapies, I've had a lot of different therapists throughout my life to heal from different things. Um, But spiritual healing really brought, the best of talking therapies um, and the Mm. best of spiritual healing and actually healing from the wounds that we bring up in talking therapies together. It was really powerful to know that I personally had the power to heal these experiences for myself rather than relying on someone else to heal it for me.
0: Yes. And that, that idea of like walking alongside a practitioner Rather than, you know, someone kind of um, supporting you and holding space for you rather than in the kind of, I'm thinking about, you know, like the capitalist kind of white supremacist world of um, psychology as it often is. It's like, you know, I'm the expert and you are here for me to fix you. That belief that everyone is whole, everyone's creative, everyone's resourceful and they can heal themselves is a very different paradigm, I think, to exist in and to work with people around.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think (laughs) I've always struggled to be told what to do by other people. So I've had a fair few arguments (laughs) in my time or disagreements, shall we say, (laughs) with um, different counsellors that I've had and also people who have taught me during my time um, studying psychology in terms of this belief that the psychologist knows best. Absolutely not. People know their bodies, they know their minds Mm. and psychologists and the healer brings their tools and brings their knowledge in that respect but it is always the person it was always the client that should lead their own healing and should lead their own experience because they know themselves they know what's hurting them they just need someone to sort of guide them along the way and I think that's why I chose life coaching spiritual life coaching is because being a life coach is not about telling someone how they should live their life. It Mm -hmm. is not about dictating certain belief systems to them, um, which has been my experience in the past with people who would call themselves spiritual leaders. Their idea is that they must lead you to a certain definition of spirituality and of healing. But in truth, it's not about that. It's actually about working with people on their own journey towards their own self-healing and you just being there to support them um, and maybe you know share with them some knowledge that you might have learned along your way because none of us is better than the other I think this is a common misconception with a lot of spiritual um practices is that one person who's on their spiritual healing journey is further ahead or better than mm. another and it's just not true you've never completely healed there is no You know, you don't get to a sort of final level of completion and then suddenly you're all (laughs) knowing and all powerful um, and you've got nothing wrong with you and you can do no wrong. It's not the case. We are here having a human experience, which means that new things will come up. New things that need healing will come up. New experiences will come up and teach us things that we never knew that we could be taught. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's so beautiful. And, you know, clients can teach me things. I think, wow, I've never thought of that in that way before how beautiful is that um just being open to change and just being open to knowing that actually we're all on the same level um and we can all help one another to become a better version of ourselves than we were the day before um and you know that's I love that part of my work I love being able to work with people who can teach me new things and who I can share my own experiences with and together we can both go onwards on our healing journey
0: Yeah. And I don't know if you, if you have a similar experience, but I notice very much in my work that people show up to work with me around things that I often need to learn or work on myself. Yeah. Um, So I started out, you know, working with people around self-empowerment and activism. And actually I noticed that, you know, we may have a particular session and the client brings a thing and I'm like, wow, this is just the thing that I've actually Mm -hmm. been thinking about recently or have been working on. It's this co- co-creation of like healing and learning together i think that's so powerful here's your now episodely is that a word i'm not sure your episodely reminder to take some breaths and to have a drink of water and maybe think about whether you need something to eat or not and while you do that I just wanted to let you know that I have a couple of client spots opening up from February so if you're interested in working with a practitioner who is trauma informed and who uses a blend of different techniques such as transformational coaching EFT or tapping and also matrix re-imprinting then do head to my website gemkennedy.com where you can find out more and also book a free intro call and now I'll let you get back to Jade like I'm obsessed with queering everything um (laughs) (laughs) there's something really queer in that, like not, not waiting for someone to give you, you know, the certification for this very, Mm -hmm. um, you know, for this particular, what am I trying to say? It's, I guess like when I first trained as a coach, I thought, you know, I have to do things by, you know, by the textbook, how I've been taught them on my course. And when I want to incorporate something new, I need to go and like study that for a couple of years and then incorporate that. And actually... What I've learned is like drawing lots of different or drawing on different techniques and being able to build and create your own practice is so much more effective because you know who you're working with. And as long as consent is involved, you know, and people can say at any point, this doesn't work for me or I'm not too keen on that, whatever it might be. There's something really cool and really queer about actually being able to to do things in a way that that works rather than needing this kind of certification from a an authority where and that's something you might need in like if you're a psychiatrist or a psychologist and I know they're they're working in a different paradigm um but yeah I don't know if any of that's making sense (laughs) oh
1: absolutely I was just uh, smiling the whole way through you talking because that's (laughs) just exactly how I feel I think I would get frustrated within psychology at how you know if you wanted to do something it had to be something that someone had already done or Mm -hmm. you need to be able to give a lot of empirical evidence as to why something works. But actually, if it works for someone, why do we need to explain why it works? You know, Mm -hmm. if someone's saying, yes, this is helping me heal, then let's help them heal in the way that works for them. We don't need to do long studies into why. We don't need to try and explain and reason everything. Sometimes we just need to heal and that's okay. And I just love that spiritual healing Gives you that opportunity to be fully expressive, to fully explore your needs without having to label it or define it. And again, steps away from this practitioner client mentality in that one is superior to the other. Um, because we're not, we're just the same. We're all going through our healing experience. Um, and I, yeah, I just think those healing methods are so freeing um, and so beautiful because they center the person's growth in whatever capacity Mm. they want to grow um and we learn so much from one another and I just yeah I I'm so glad that it came into my life and I think it was always meant to come I just never anticipated it um but I'm I'm just so grateful for
0: the opportunity to always
1: be learning from other people
0: yeah it's it's a real privilege isn't it to be able to do this kind of work Oh, absolutely. And just to meet new people and we meet the people
1: that, you know, as you said before, that we're meant to meet. And I think when I first started out, I thought, oh, is anyone going to really want to work with me on this? Um, And I quickly had to quash that belief and address it because (laughs) I just realised, actually, if I want to do this, then I will do it. And the people who are on the same wavelength as me, who resonate with me and my journey will come in at the right time um, because they will see what I'm doing. and They'll be drawn to what I'm doing because they'll be on the same journey as me um, and they'll want to walk that path with me or they won't. And either way, that's absolutely fine. So long as we're all um, kind of informed and consenting to our spiritual healing journey, Um, We will find the people that we're meant to find. Um, And I think that's sort of the best thing, really, about these techniques is that they do draw in the people who resonate with it and who want to experience it as well as you.
0: Yeah, totally. And um, I don't think this would be a complete interview without talking about your creative outlets. (laughs) And there are so many cool ones. So I really want to make sure that we have space to talk about those if that's okay. So I guess, first of all, maybe if you could just share the different forms that your creativity takes.
1: Yeah um, so I started out sort of doing studying art um, when I was at school but it was always sort of I have a family not all of my family but some members of my family who are quite um, academically orientated so mm-hmm. art was always sort of something that should be a hobby and and not a lifestyle um, or something that you should pursue in terms of career so I sort of left the art to one side and just sort of tried to focus on my academics but writing creative writing expressing myself and my experiences through emotive writing supported me throughout my time at university um and that was the time that I really got back into writing poetry um and it came to me a lot to me because At the time, as I was still healing and in the early stages of my healing, I really struggled with things like this a couple of years ago. I could have never seen myself doing a podcast um, (laughs) because I just didn't feel like I had the strength of voice. I didn't feel like I could Mm -hmm. um, properly express myself or articulate myself through my spoken voice. So writing and being able to be creative with my writing was my best outlet for my emotions and for healing um, and for putting my experiences out into the world. Um, and the more that I did that, and the more that I healed myself, the more I realised that actually, my voice doesn't have to be limited to writing. And that's when I sort of got back into art. And I'd healed a lot of the perfectionist side of me as well. That was a big thing I struggled with while I was younger, because I felt like everything I did had to be perfect. Mm-hmm. Um kind of my fellow students at school would always laugh in my art classes and they'd be like, oh, it's just such a typical thing for you to do because I would tear out pages from my art book and throw them in the bin after spending hours and hours on a specific painting or something. And they also, it's just a quirky trait of mine, but in reality, it was the pressure to always be perfect because I felt like I was imperfect in myself. Mm -hmm. The work that I put out had to be perfect to make up for my imperfections. So the more that I healed from that, the more that I realised, actually, I love art. I love art in lots of different forms. Um, And I started allowing myself to be creative again. And suddenly I didn't look at my paintings through the lens of perfection. I just looked at them through what emotions that they portrayed for me and for what they meant to me um, and what I'd felt while I was creating them. And they sort of became snapshots in time almost of my emotions and of my experiences and what I wanted to put out into the world. And suddenly I didn't see them as imperfect. I saw them as beautiful because they were mine and because they were unique. So yeah, writing and poetry and art have sort of become my main outlets, my creative outlets for expressing myself, but also for healing Um, because often I see so much in them that speaks towards my healing journey.
0: I was going to ask what are the benefits or what have the benefits been so it definitely sounds like um it's been helpful around supporting yourself with healing and I wonder and um, because for me I was really terrible like I can say that very terrible at art at school and <laughs> um, to the point where my teacher would like turn my painting upside down because she couldn't recognize what it was um, oh, no. and that really kind of taught me from a very early age that I couldn't engage in creativity that like that wasn't something I was good at and it's only really since yeah probably since um you know starting my practice that I've actually realize that creativity is for everyone and there is space to be creative in any way that feels good to you and as you say it doesn't have to be perfect it's actually about the doing of it then um, compared to or rather than sorry the the outcome and I wonder if you if you notice how creativity might support you around your advocacy or activism and also around your work as a healer
1: yeah um I definitely think you know Just being able to express yourself. I mean, I I broke my heart when you were saying about your teacher turning your work upside down, because I think that was something I was taught, is that if you can't immediately recognise what something is, it's somehow wrong. Um, Mm. And we have this very linear idea of what expression should look like. And I think that was why I stopped doing art for a long time, was because I thought it had to be realism. It had to be perfect and look like the thing I was drawing. And I think that's why I turned to doing things that weren't necessarily portraits, but were actually sort of much more creative um, and expressive and sometimes more abstract. And I think I still focus on drawing bodies at the moment because of my work within Body Positivity. I think sometimes we can express things through art that people might not resonate through the spoken or written word. So for me, I try to draw bodies in the way that I see them something beyond just um the physical form they are a part of nature they are um a connection to the spiritual world they are us outside of our looks you know they embody us quite literally um so I try to draw forms that are um embodiments of nature Um, And I try to draw people in a creative way because I want people to see that bodies are creative. They are Mm. pieces of art within themselves. They're unique. Um, And it is their uniqueness that makes them beautiful. It isn't looking a certain way that makes you beautiful. It is being you that makes you beautiful because there's no one else like you. You are unique. And then, you know, the more I realised that, the more I realised, why would I ever want my painting or my drawing or my artistic expression to look like someone else's work when it's mine and it's expressive and it's unique? That is what makes art art in the first place. It's differing points of view. So I think not only is art healing and a part of the spiritual experience, but it's also a form for telling a story and a useful tool for activism where sometimes words um just can't quite express enough.
0: Yeah, and it makes me think as well that um as well as all of those things it's also another way of making work accessible to people so people with different neurotypes for example or different learning styles who maybe can't access the written word or who couldn't access it in the way that might be expected to actually be able to represent an idea or something in another way is really powerful. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I think that's something that I've not really considered that much before, but I think you're absolutely right. Not all forms of expression are as accessible as another. Um, Mm. So being able to put your message across through as many mediums as possible, you'll make your message more accessible. Um, So again, I think that's just another reason why art's so beautiful, because everyone sees it differently. I think with the written word, there's sort of almost one way to read it and that's it. But with art, everyone takes from it what they need to take from it. Um, so yeah. it's, it's just so diverse in that respect.
0: Yeah, so true. I've absolutely loved our chat so far. Um, I feel like, yeah, there are just so many interesting things there. And I'm conscious of time. So I wondered if there was anything that you wanted to share that you've been enjoying recently, whether it's a, a person or an idea or a thing. Oh, um,
1: I think I love, I love life drawing. I got into it because I went on a whim to a couple of years ago now to an anti-diet right club, uh, life during class, oh, cool. um, in person and I didn't know what to expect. And then, um, they asked at some point, would anyone like to get up and be a model? And some, for some reason, some force just raised my hand for me. <laughs> <laughs> I was sort of looking at my own arm, like what's happening <laughs> Um, that's amazing yeah so I just got up and I stripped down to just my knickers and just let a group of people draw me and I was sat there and for the whole five minutes I was sat there I was just reflecting on am I really doing this am I just allowing people to see my naked body right now um so I love life drawing um and life modeling um and I think and I've there's so many different people online that are doing life drawing classes that are much more diverse than they used to be because I went to a few life drawing classes when I was at uni and it was always a very similar looking model whereas now Mm -hmm. I think people are realizing that people want to see different bodies they want to draw different bodies and it's so cathartic to draw different bodies and it's so empowering to see how different human forms look when they're feeling vulnerable yeah, so if you're looking for a self-love um, sort of practice um, that's accessible to lots of people, then life drawing would definitely be something I would recommend because it just makes you look at the body as art. It look, makes you look at it in a whole new way that I think we've forgotten that how to look at bodies before.
0: Yeah, that's so interesting. I I have seen so many people doing life drawing classes and I've always um, felt held back by my ability to kind of draw or you know express what I'm seeing but actually yeah there's something about just dropping it and like giving it a go that sounds really appealing.
1: Oh absolutely and I think one of the things that I love specifically um, about Anti-Dark Art Club's virtual life drawing classes is that they do sort of um, games and activities um, before getting into the longer poses and the longer drawings where they challenge you to not focus on the outcome of your drawing but just on Appreciating body and form and lines and shape. Um, mm. So they'll do things like make you draw with your non dominant hand for a minute or draw just looking at the paper um, without looking at the model or vice versa, just looking at the model without looking at the paper, things like that. Um, That gets you out of that perfectionism mindset and just allows you to focus on the activity within itself um, and not focus on what you think the end product will be. Um, And I think that's just wonderful because it just allows you to be in the moment rather than focusing on
0: perfection. Yeah, that's so great. I'll have to give it a try. (laughs) Absolutely, Um, yeah. And so we'll share the links of where everyone can um, come and find you if they want to follow your work, which I highly recommend they do. And also check out your art. You have an Etsy shop, don't you? Yeah, I just set it up. Yeah, so I'll share the link for that. And then um, I wonder what's next for you? Oh, (laughs)
1: Um, I don't know. I think at the moment I'm focusing on self-development just trying to sort of do some online courses and make sure that I'm keeping up with my own sort of healing journey. Um, I want to keep adding to my Etsy store. It's still quite new, but I think I'm just trying to focus on creative expression, especially um, with everything that's going on at the moment. I think it's a very healing activity to just be able to express myself. And yeah, who knows? I, in the future, I'd love to go on um, and study transpersonal counselling. Um yeah, I just, I want to continue my journey and I want to continue helping other people in as many different capacities as I can. I've got my online group, so Supposed to Grow, where we're focusing on lots of different things from self-love to body positivity to spiritual healing. Um, and I want to be able to keep doing that for others and for myself, really.
0: Great. That sounds amazing. Well, thank you so much for joining me, Jade. It's been really great to talk to you. And um, yeah, I I really would recommend that people come and check out your work. Oh thank you so much. It's been so wonderful talking to you. Thank you for having me. I cannot tell you how much I enjoyed that conversation with Jade. I loved everything about it um, and I have so much to think about now. I hope that you found it useful and that you have some things to be thinking about too. If you want to check out Jade's work, I'd highly recommend that you follow her on Instagram. Her handle is possy poet and that's b o d i p o s i p o e t poet. Uh, You can also find her Etsy shop links on her website, but also I will add all of the relevant links into the show notes. And that's it for today. Thanks again for listening, and I look forward to sharing another amazing guest with you next week. Bye.